We continue our study in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 53, for our text today. Chapter number 53 in the book of Isaiah. So we continue our studies through the spring and summer. Isaiah number 53. Back when my father was still alive, we took a family trip to Norway. And our goal was to visit family and see old homesteads and visit the places that I'd heard of when I was growing up. My father was born on a farm out in the middle of nowhere called Cuxness. And my grandfather came from a farm way up on top of a mountain, way, way up, called Bergstall. My grandmother was born on an island out in the Atlantic Ocean, a place called Ausea. So we went to Norway to see all those places and to gather family history. It was a long trip over. When we finally arrived, we checked into a motel. There was a restaurant attached to the motel. We arrived, the family decided to all come and meet us at the restaurant. Now these were people I'd heard about all my life, but never met, even once. And now they were gathering into that restaurant, and I could see them face to face for the very first time. Now, my grandfather and his brother married sisters, and so... Uh, some of these people coming in were double cousins. They were cousins on both sides. And as they walked in the restaurant, I said, there's somebody we're related to. You could tell. <laughs> I looked into their faces for familiar things, for deep voices, familiar smiles. Some had a twinkle in their eye, just like Grandma used to have. Others joked about everything like my father. And as I looked into their faces, I also saw they were unique, not carbon copies. They were their own selves. And that first encounter left a long-lasting impression on me. I had come to Norway for family, and there it was, gathered around me, my family. And that first impression was very intense and personal. I had never seen them face to face. Until that day. In our text, we have a very dramatic meeting, a face to face encounter. Isaiah meets someone he'd often heard about, but never actually seen. And Isaiah tells us a story so bizarre. And so unusual and out of the ordinary that you almost don't believe it. Now people say that Isaiah was a poet, that's for sure. He can explain things in such a way that you'll never forget how he said it. He is one of those people that's the master of language. He is quoted down through the centuries by John the Baptist, by the Apostle Paul, quotes Isaiah. Jesus himself quoted Isaiah. Dr. Martin Luther King's famous speech came from Isaiah. And so today, 
we examine one of his most famous passages and leave, let it leave the deep impression that it will on our hearts. Now, if you were to try to reduce the whole Old Testament into one sentence, you could say that from Genesis to Malachi, from the beginning to the end, there's one theme. Someone is coming. Someone special. Someone wonderful. Someone powerful. They haven't arrived yet, but they will come. This person. Starts right away in Genesis, and it tells us there's a hero coming, born of a woman who will crush the serpent with his heel. Abraham is told that one of his descendants will bless every family on earth. Balaam the prophet said, I see a star rising out of Jacob. He's not here yet, but he's coming. Moses said, a great prophet is coming. And King David wrote about this coming one. And he said, God said to him, sit at my right hand and reign until your enemies become your footstool. And Isaiah himself in chapter 9 said, I know his name. His name is Wonderful. Counselor. The Prince of Peace. Now I don't know if Isaiah had a dream. Or if he had a vision in the night. God has a way of painting pictures in a person's mind. But however it happened, I believe that Isaiah was told, here now, this is the one that's coming. I want you to look at this person. It's the same person that has been spoken of by many others. But Isaiah, I want you to see him now. I'm sure Isaiah was very excited. Wow. I'm going to look at him face to face. And he felt that thrill that comes when you finally meet somebody you have longed to know. But oh my friends, Isaiah is in for the shock of his life. And so we set it up, chapter 53, back starting in chapter 52. I'm reading verse 14 of Isaiah 52. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men. Now I don't know how the vision and how the dream transpired. He sees a person, maybe he has his head down, maybe he's got his back turned. And suddenly that person turns and looks Isaiah face to face. And Isaiah, his face is marred. It's all bruised. It's swollen beyond recognition. And Isaiah staggers at this sight. He's never seen anyone, he says, so deformed by abuse. And he says, it's worse than I've ever seen before in any other people or any other man. He is un, 
recognizable. And so he's about to begin the description of this person. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Isaiah says, nobody's ever going to believe me. What I saw was so bizarre that people won't think I'm telling the truth. All I can say is it is the arm of the Lord, or in other words, God's work, God's arm is set in motion as he does what God wants to do. He says, I'm not making this up. I hope you'll be able to see when I tell you these things that this is God's doing. Otherwise, you'll just never believe me. Verse 2. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no former comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. What Isaiah described is something that you've probably seen before. A great tree. Big, tall tree. Tall and majestic. But after years... It dies and falls over and rots away. But out of the roots spring up what we call a sucker. Just a little old branch. When people see that little sucker growing up, they say, we don't want that. We remember that big, beautiful tree. But that little old stick is nothing. We don't want it. Cut it down. Get rid of it. Doesn't look good. Just a crummy little stick. We don't want it. It's ugly, so remove it. Verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. This person who is coming, that Isaiah is describing, he says there's nothing about him that people like. They don't like him. As a matter of fact, they hate him. They despise him. They totally reject him and everything he stands for. And if you ask their opinion, they'll tell you this. We think God hates him too. He says he lives his life full of sorrow. He's always sad. And the emotion that he feels most often is grief. Wow. That's a pretty depressing picture that Isaiah paints of this one who's coming. But it gets worse. Verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. First it says he was wounded. Well, how was he wounded? 
Was it an accident? Was it in battle? But there's more. It says he was bruised. He's been in some serious conflict. But now listen. He was chastised and beaten. Punishment. It's a punishment that was inflicted with a whip. And he's covered with stripes, or those are wounds that are inflicted by a whip. Why? Did he do wrong? No. Isaiah said, no, he didn't. We did. He was wounded for us. And he was bruised and beaten for us. We transgressed and we sinned and he was punished for us. And we are healed because he suffered. But the same result is we rejected him and we said we don't want what he's got to offer. We hate him. But he suffered for us. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He says we make a conscious effort because of this person. We make a conscious effort to get away from him. And we even entice other people. Come on. Get away from this man. In our rebellion and our struggle to resist him, God lays it all right on his back. So if he was punished, whipped, he must have been accused of some crime. Verse 7, he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. It seems that he refused to speak in his own defense. And so with nobody to defend him, but unwilling to defend himself, his persecutors run right over the top of him. Verse number 8. He was taken from prison... And from judgment, who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. He was stricken. Oh, my friends, they didn't just accuse him. They killed him. He died. Cut off, it says, from the land of the living. His life was over. His light was snuffed out. Verse 9. He made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. He died, he said, like a common criminal. There's something different about this. <clears throat> Usually, common criminals in days gone by weren't buried. They didn't bury criminals who died. They actually threw them in with the trash. That's what they did. They had a valley outside the city. They threw everybody 
they didn't want to bury. They wanted to uh, make them appear to be nobody, so they threw them in the trash. But not this one. This one, it says, was buried with rich people. So in any normal case, in any case of any human, what we would say is, look, he's dead, he's buried, it's over, and that's the end. He never did any violence, he never told a lie, but life comes to an end, his is over. Wait a minute. Wait just a minute. There's more. Verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. And thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Wait a minute. I thought he was dead. Even dead and buried. But it says. He shall. Prolong his days. When you die. There's no prolonging of days. First. He's cut off. From the land of the living. Afterwards. He shall prolong his days. I can't explain another, any other way than to just say he was alive, he was dead, and now he's alive again. And here's what Isaiah said. God's awful happy about that. God is pleased by it. Everything this person does pleases God. And here's why he said he made his soul an offering for sin. All the Old Testament sacrifices were made to get forgiveness from God for what we had done. And this man made himself a sacrifice. He offered himself, not for himself, but for us. And God loved it. It was God's arm at work. Can you see it? Do you believe it? Then verse 12. Therefore I will divide with him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong. Because he has poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. And he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. God. Is going to reward him. In a big way. God will see to it that he gets a reward. That will make him famous. That's how Isaiah described the person he saw. Well, my friends, the hero born of woman and the star that rose out of Jacob and the great prophet and the one who blessed every family on earth and the one who sits on the right hand of God and the one called Wonderful and Counselor and the Prince of Peace is Jesus. It's Jesus of Nazareth, God's Son. That's who we're talking about. And we're shocked to find his face contorted and bruised and unrecognizable. But it was true. He was a descendant of King David. That family ruled over Israel for 20 generations. Like a great big tree. David's family tree ruled. But the tree died and fell over and the dynasty ended. But wait. 
It's a little branch growing out of the root. And Jesus was born in Bethlehem's manger. And he is of the house and lineage of David. But they looked at him and they said he's poor. He's a carpenter. He's not educated. He comes from Galilee. And we don't want him. But he healed the deaf and the blind and the lame. But they called him a Sabbath breaker. He cast out demons. They said he did it by Satan's power. The Bible records that he raised the dead and they laughed him to scorn. They despised him. He called Lazarus out of his grave after being dead there for four days. And it caused them to conspire to take his life. And so they paid a man, Judas Iscariot, to betray him. And he was arrested he was tried by the Sanhedrin, but he refused to answer their charges. He was questioned by King Herod, but he never spoke one word to him like a sheep before his shears was dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was tried by Pontius Pilate, who said this, I find no fault in him, and then ordered him to be crucified. He was punched in the face and slapped. He was beaten with a whip. He was crowned with thorns and he was nailed to the cross. And his only words were, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And at last, at three o'clock in the afternoon, he cried out, it is finished. And he died. Like a criminal, he died on a cross. We find that he was buried in Joseph of Arimathea's tomb. A rich man gave away his tomb to Jesus to bury him. But on the third day, his days were prolonged. And he rose victorious from the grave and he crushed a serpent with his heel. And God said to him, sit down on my right hand and reign until your enemies become your footstool. And God said, because he gave his soul as an offering for sin. And because he sacrificed his life. And because he redeemed the human race. God has given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, everybody in heaven, everybody on earth, and every last person in hell shall bow down at his feet. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isaiah saw it 400 years before it happened. And so eloquently said, he was despised and rejected a man. Man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was on him and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep, just like he said, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. The pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. 
God is pleased to offer you forgiveness this morning. God is glad to give you eternal life. God loves to call you his friend. And he does it because of what Jesus did. Jesus is the most important person you will ever know. He's the best friend you will ever have. He's a great shepherd. And when you do wander off by yourself and do your own thing, he calls you back to the fold. He leads you back to his flock. He puts you in his church and he nourishes you at his table. How sad it is that to this very day, right now, there are still people who say, he's got nothing we want. We reject him. He's got nothing that we desire. We don't even want to look at him. There's nothing about him that we think is beautiful. Get him away from us. Jesus is still today a man of sorrow. He is still acquainted with grief, saddened by those who refuse to accept his generous offers of forgiveness and healing. Oh, that we would cause the pleasure of God to be full by accepting Him, by believing Him, by loving Him. So that's Isaiah's chapter about the one who's coming. Now where we stand in history, he came. He's come. We've seen him face to face. And we know who he is. And that encounter has left a deep impression on us. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Isaiah. Thank you for listening. Reminds me of the old song. A great old song. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulder. It was my sin that held him there until he was his accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. But this I know with all my heart. His wounds have paid my ransom. May God bless you as you spend time face to face. Jesus. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for these passages. Teach us about you. We're amazed at what Isaiah saw and what he said, but we know it was all true. We saw it happen. And now we know he was wounded for us, bruised for us. And we have peace because he had pain. 
We have forgiveness because he suffered. Thank you. We find it a debt we cannot pay. But we will give you all we have that we might somehow be closer to you. We want to know who you are. We want you to bless us. So come and be near us. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn with me, if you will, hymn number 122, standing as we sing. Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fear. Standing as we sing, 122. Arise, my soul, arise. Page 122. taken and bruised beyond recognition 
so that your face was so marred for us. Your whole body was beaten for us. And yet, in that terrible act, you brought about the greatest salvation ever to be known to mankind. The only salvation <coughs> for us and for our souls. Forgiveness and adoption taken into your family forgiven and freed from all sin, and that you will take us and take care of us, watch over us. Lord, we are thankful for that, thankful that you have given us an opportunity to be forgiven. May we take that and be forgiven this day. Thank you so much for what you've done for us. Protect us and be with our, all these folks. Bring them safely back to this place, we pray in your name.